Bum, 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 It's cold outside, there's no kind of atmosphere, I'm all alone, more or less. Let me fly far away from here. Fun, 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 in the sun, sun, sun. I want to lie, shipwrecked and comatose, drinking fresh mango juice. Goldfish shows nibbling at my toes. Fun, 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 Christmas, Meghead. Happy Christmas. Thanks very much for joining us on this Christmas Day edition. I think I'll let this drop on Christmas Day, Daniela. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. The magic of... Uh, it's the best present you can get. Yeah, Santa will come down your chimney um, with um, a podcast. How's that? Yeah, pretty good. Um, how are you, Daniela? I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you on this bright and... <laughs> to you and yours. Yeah, on Christmas <laughs> Day. Um, if you're listening to this podcast on Christmas Day, you need to kind of reevaluate what you're doing right now. Go and speak I, I, to your family. I don't think so. I think you've got your priorities in order. I guess you wake up bright and early because yeah. it's out at midnight. So you've got to, from midnight till about 7am before you need to be Christmassy and cheery. Um, and yeah, listen to this podcast, get you right in the mood. We want to get you right. I don't, we don't know how, but uh, we'll get you right yeah, in the Christmas maybe mood. Sing some Christmas songs. Yeah. And, and if you're listening to this, which you are, if, if you're hearing my voice right now, you would have heard our new theme song. <gasps> and now it's awesome. It's awesome. Can you hear how good our voices are? Yeah. Auto tune. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just us, though. It's well, you've got a lot of auto tune. I think mine's just hey. fresh. <laughs> um, but yeah, and it's it's myself and Daniela and, and a few of our friends doing um, the backing vocals to our um, excellent lead vocals. Thank you to Kenny Lee for producing that. Um, and Kenny Lee's got an album out on Post Pop next year. It's exciting. Wow. Yeah, it's not a cappella though. It's oh. pop. Is, is it me? It's just, it's just you. He's taken you singing the Red Dwarf theme song and just re- replicated it <laughs> yeah. 10 times. Um, yeah, so what have you been up to? I've been at a Carol concert with David Suchet. What you're obsessed with? How comes? I love Poirot. You're obsessed with David Suchet, and all of a sudden you're next to him. I know, and I spoke to him as well. No way! I was You've so kept this secret from me. Until it only now. happened yesterday. Okay, so. right. So what happened? So he was at this Carol concert. And where? Where? In um, in just off Oxford Street. Okay, yeah. Saint Martin's. Where was this church? Uh, at All Souls, um, just off Oxford Street. Yeah, yeah, great church. Yeah, yeah it's got yeah. it's got like a, a basement as well. They do stuff in the basement. Oh, okay. Like. So um, there was carols, and he got up to the readings, and then afterwards there was festive punch, and I went okay. over and said Merry Christmas to him, and that I enjoyed his readings. He said, Oh, bless you, thank you. Oh, Merry you got Christmas. blessed by Poirot. I That's got blessed cool. by Poirot. <laughs> now, what would what would have been fun is if you pretended that you died during the service. What's that? choking and yeah but then when you die like you you've written a little note in your hand and he finds it and it's like uh, and it's a clue to who killed you yeah that, that's what i would have done yeah probably not the time and the place though it's a church people people there's like there's dead people in churches yeah sometimes. but they're usually already dead that's true it's very christmasy um what else have you been up to I went to see the new Star Wars film. Me too. I think everyone's been yeah. to see the new Star Wars film. Um, did, let's not give out any spoilers. No, no. No spoilers for Red Dwarf 11 and no spoilers for Star Wars. But it was 
smegging brilliant. Yeah, it was pretty good. I thought, and even and Daniela, you you hate Daisy Ridley. I don't hate her. I just think it sounds she's a like bit you hate her. Arrogant. No, I think she's she's relatively young. Well, not that young, but she's relatively Naive, young. Maybe. Yeah, so maybe she comes across. She's not the kind of girl that other women will go. Oh yeah, we we like her. She's the kind of girl where other women will go. Not too sure about her. Oh, I don't know. I think I've seen a lot of positive feedback on Twitter. Everyone loves her. Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a few people on the comment sections on certain like sci-fi websites that says she's a little bit wooden. I think she's brilliant. But I John Boyega is to me. He's oh, the yes. best. And he's so um, good. Adam Driver as well. Uh, um, I'm a big fan of his from Girls. So. Uh, to, I mean, he didn't. Well, no spoilers. He's, he's 50 50 in, in, in my book. Oh, but obviously, the real star of the show was BB 8. BB 8 was awesome. Yeah. yeah. I want a BB 8. Yeah, I want, I want one as well. I might get one for the office, maybe. Aww. It'd be really cool. Um, yeah, that <laughs> I was might great. might borrow him. <laughs> yeah. And um, Daniela, I went to uh, Winter Wonderland. I know, without me. Without you as without well, me. which is our yearly thing. Yeah. Really I sorry. I went to the I circus cried. as well. I cried. I was at home <laughs> and I, I saw, oh, come up, come up on Twitter and, and Instagram. Instagram, you at Winter Wonderland, yeah. someone else. I'm really, really sorry. Yeah. I went to the circus as well, yeah. which we did last year. We did, we did. I'm really sorry, Daniela. Mm. Might start a, a podcast with someone else as well at some yeah. point. <laughs> um, what else have we not done? That's really it. Star Wars is the main thing that's been happening yeah, in anyone's life, and it's so. a great Christmas film as well. Yeah, it is. It's a fa- it's a film for all the family. Um, we'll get on to our, what what we're doing for Red Wolf in a second. But what's your favourite Christmas film, Daniela? Uh, the Muppets Christmas Carol, obviously. It's a great film. It is definitely one of the best. My favourite, most likely, is Gremlins, which I saw okay, the other day yep. with Zach Galligan. Pretty good. Um, and then probably Home Alone, which is a classic. Oh, really? Oh, my second would be Scrooged. Scrooged is amazing. Scrooged you know, a lot of people so haven't cool. seen Scrooged. Really? And it's, to me, one of the, one of the oh, best Oh, it's Christmas Bill Murray at his best. Yeah. There's also this really cool horror film called P2, um, which is about a serial killer at Christmas. Yeah, you tell me and about yeah, it. Yeah, it's great. So track that down, P2. But um, yeah, and what are you doing on Christmas Day? You're uh, not flying away to Chicago just no, yet, are you? No, no. I've got a couple of days before Chicago. Um, Christmas Day, not too much. Um, yeah. Being half Italian, we tend to celebrate on Christmas Eve. So yeah, Christmas the whole Eve. European thing. Yeah, yeah, it's the big Christmas, like have a meal, open our presents, drink yeah. some wine. So Christmas Day, we'll just be having traditional turkey and like, no kind of Italian touch, no kind of No, I'm very strict and that I like my turkey on Christmas Day. That's the only English thing I insist on. Well, as I'm a vegetarian, I have to have um, the the kind of terrible option. Christmas is not a time for vegetarians, so I have to have sprouts and nut roast. I eat fish, though. Have you tried, there's a a tofu version of turkey. Called uh, tofurkey. Yes, my friend, Mm, um, she's not vegetarian. But she's made of tofu. But she has it because she loves it so much as it's better than normal turkey mm, uh, tofu uh, tofu is 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 mediocre at best yeah but apparently the the turkey really is pretty good you should give it a try because she uh, she know. raves about it this year at thanksgiving they 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 didn't have turkey they had tofu or whatever it's called when i well i when i eat fish so i, I, I mean i have salmon sometimes yeah. well i mean like roast is cool with me and all the other bits and stuff as well so that's cool um yeah, so that's Christmas sorted. Um, and I've got a present for you later on. Daniela. I've got a present for you too. Okay. <laughs> we'll do that later on in the show. We're also speaking to um, a guy called Paul. 
who is the guy who made the Red Dwarf Encyclopedia, which you can get. Maybe it's too late for Christmas, but you can order it on Christmas Day if you want to uh, and get it in the new year. And it is a very comprehensive look at every little single thing in Red Dwarf. And I think, Danielle, we need it I badly. Need we it. need it yeah. badly. Is that my Christmas present? No, it's not. <laughs> we should have been. Uh, but yeah, you, you can get that on Amazon or other places. But we'll speak to Paul in a bit. Um, he's got an Italian name, Paul Giacchetti. Okay. Giacchetti. But he's got a very strong uh, New York accent. Oh, okay. He's from he the Bronx. Well, he's from New Jersey, which is oh, a little New bit Jersey. away from the Bronx. <laughs> that was my attempt wow, at an accent. I know, it's that? terrible. It's That's terrible. Chinese. Daniela, what are you doing? That's so I, racist. I can't do accents. I'm the worst at oh, accents. That's so racist on Christmas Day as well, of all <laughs> <No>. days. <laughs> I know. Well, uh, as it is Christmas Day, we're, doing, we're not doing a normal Red Wolf episode. We're not doing the first episode of Series 4 just yet. This is our Christmas special, so we're doing something a little bit special. And it's special for a number of reasons. One, because it's not part of the Red Wolf kind of... Uh, discography what <laughs> it's not collection collection yeah <laughs> saga it's um it's special in in many ways mostly because it's not very good it is not to give you any spoilers or anything but it's the red dwarf usa pilot the first pilot we're not going to talk about the second pilot because that was mostly just compilation stuff it's uh the red dwarf pilot that came out in 1992 when red dwarf was on a, on a high in the uk um it was uh, like four and five of just kind of been shown and it was at right at its peak getting massive ratings so they thought oh yeah we'll make an american version It'll they tend to do that don't they with a lot of things yeah and i mean with mixed results yes. to say the least i mean the office worked oh, out yes. perfectly yeah, I, in fact the u.s office to me is better than the uk thank office. you i say that as well it's, but a lot, of people, it is. a lot of people disagree no, no they're wrong. Know. They they're are wrong. wrong, I think. It's the same people that say that Carol is the best film of the year. Carol is the worst <laughs> film of the year. Yes, thank you. Yawnfest, Oscar yes. for biggest Yawnfest. Thank you. What is that film? <laughs> Carol is the worst. No. Why is it everyone giving it five no stars? No chemistry Oscar. whatsoever yeah, between the two exactly. actresses. It is the worst. Thank you. It, okay, this, is a, this is my impression of Carol. Hi, hi. Do you want to buy a train? Yeah, sold. I'll have that train. Okay, Merry Christmas. Okay, Merry Christmas. That's it. Let's have a trip together. Yeah, that's that's a scene straight out of, of Carol. Awful. Yeah. Absolutely. Who uh, made that film? Todd Haynes did, but it's I awful. I know. I know. I'm glad. I, I'm glad that you've like joined this little club. But where, with it's me like we're the only because one. I thought that I was alone in the world. It's crazy. I did love Sicario though. I watched yeah, that the other day. Yeah, that's awesome. amazing. Yeah, awesome. Not as good as Star Wars though. Star Wars is film of the year for me. Okay. What's your film of the year? Oh, I really liked Steve Jobs. I haven't seen that yet. I thought that was really good. No, obviously, Mad Max is right up there for me as well. Oh, that didn't make my top ten. Okay. Um, I thought the Amy documentary was really good. It was good, yeah. That, again, yeah. That, but that didn't make my top ten. Well, okay, well, we'll, we'll come back to that later. <laughs> Have you actually got a top ten? I've got a top Are ten. Are you on Letterboxd? No, I just okay. write it in my iPhone note. This is for your novel. Do note you to self. Do you want to know my top ten in no particular order? Okay, go for okay, it. Okay, Steve Jobs. Number one. Oh, no particular order. Yeah. Okay, go on. Yep. Everest awful i didn't like it <gasps> I, I really didn't like it it was boring oh, i thought it was amazing something that's so exciting should not be that boring it made it made me go and buy the book to read the book afterwards because i thought really? it was so good okay. yeah all right okay keep going uh bridge of spies haven't seen it yet the martian yeah i liked it yeah sicario brilliant whiplash brilliant wild haven't seen it yet it's too girly for me Oh, it's nice, great. It follows the, one of the best horror films of the last ten years. No Escape. Mm, I thought it's all right. 
I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> hilarious? I, yes, I couldn't stop laughing. It was laughing. like torture and murder oh, and stuff. Oh, it was in hilarious. It? <laughs> it was, Pierce Brosnan just keeps popping up. <laughs> that is quite funny. It was just for it? laughs. It was the best film for me. Actually, I think that one might be my film of the year. And then, I liked Lake Bell. She was good. Yeah. And then yeah. finally, oh, better than she was in Man Up, which, I, which is one of my worst films. Well, anything year. with Simon Peckin is it, awful. Yeah, I thought Man Up was terrible. Okay, absolutely uh, anything. That's the new Simon Pegg film, isn't uh, it? Yeah. I'd watch absolutely anything before watching that. Tell you that. <laughs> and then my last one was Magic Mike XXL. Do you know what? I, I haven't seen the first one, but I've heard the second one is amazing. Yeah, it's really fun. So I, really I need good. to watch them. I, I yeah. will watch them. So they're my top ten. Okay, my my top ten is just horror films and uh, Star Wars. Yeah. Okay. Which is, which Makes is sense. Great. Uh, but back onto Red Dwarf, Sorry. the US pilot. <laughs> so yeah, we'll get straight in. Like first of all, just first impressions, Danielle. What did you think when you I hated it? When you clicked, I absolutely <laughs> hated you it. You clicked on that YouTube link. I was like, what is this garbage? What is this absolute even, toilet water? I can't even see a face. It's just like blurry. It's like some kind of VHS. Took it out, spat on it, put it back in. And then just submerged their TV in a well and then watched from like 50 feet up. Crichton was the only sort of thing that I could make out. Yeah, it was just, it was just, everything was just bizarre. <laughs> it, was it was just terrible. It was like if someone watched one episode of Red Dwarf and someone asked them, what, what was that about again? And, then you, and you had to summarise it in your own kind of like, ah, yeah. oh, it was, okay, so let's, let's start. Let's get right in there. I didn't even make any notes. It was that bad. That's it, it's, 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 don't I'm worry, you, you'll it. remember it. I just thinking, this is terrible, this is terrible, <laughs> this is terrible. Well, it, it essentially started coincidentally because we watched Star Wars. It started with a Star Wars scroll. Yes. It went obviously too fast, which was meant to be the joke. Yeah. But it was just terribly done. The wrong font. Everything was wrong. <laughs> um, and it opened with uh, Lister painting the, the Red Dwarf sign with the worst theme music I've ever <laughs> heard. <laughs> it was Why really jazzy. It? Did Howard Goodall just say, no, you can't use the, the proper Red Dwarf song. Use this really terrible rubbish know. one instead. It wasn't. Oh, good. It was like a demo for Casio 101 from like the <laughs> 80s. It was awful. Um, yeah, it was. It, I've run my note here. It sounded like a really bad 70s cop show mm. um, music. Um, but yeah, and then um, the ship's computer, Holly, uh, played by Jane Leaves from Fra- from Frasier. Doing was her- it? Yeah. Well, see, it was so bad. It was hard to I see. couldn't tell who that was. It was her trying to do a posh accent, but, uh, but sneaking in with her Mancunian okay. accent a little bit as well. That's incredible. Yeah, she was really trying to do kind of like when Holly does her um, Norman Lovett impression. It was kind of like that, but not as good. Um but yeah, and she kind of d- uh, does the intro where she describes w- what Red Dwarf is and the shopping malls. Are, um, are bo- apparently, Red Dwarf's a lot bigger than the, the British one. It's got shopping malls, bowling alleys. It's even got a zero-gravity football stadium. Yeah, you get to see a lot more. Yeah, well, the, you, the you see photographs, yeah, kind of yeah. like stills, um, uh, which I thought was a nice touch and kind of made me flesh out the ship a little bit more, which I yeah. thought, okay, this is promising. This isn't so bad. Um, and, then, but then, and then you watch the and then it starts it. well she starts off using one of the one of the the jokes that did that hit home in in the uk one where she says um uh i'm holly uh, i have a um, iq of six thousand, which is the same as six thousand pe teachers but this, do they call it pe in america they don't do they no they, what do they call it phys ed I guess that's PE. That still means PE, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, but I don't, I've never heard it called PE. Yeah, it's in a very British America. thing. Yeah, um, it just didn't like the audience didn't laugh as well. I don't know who were in the audience, but um, they weren't very um, what's the word receptive to this new Red Dwarf. Um, and yeah, she introduces. So you think, okay, this is great. She's going to introduce the cast here. Nope. The first person she introduces was First Officer Munson, <laughs> and I was like, 
who who the smeg is this person and obviously i think it was meant to be todd hunter from from the, the original episode of, of red dwarf but called introducing someone who wasn't even remotely the main character as the first person is it's a is a misstep i think why not not even you don't even need him in this episode but anyway introduces first officer munson and who is a hologram um and he's just saying about the new recruits arriving and who's the first new recruit Crichton. i know with a spare head what's going on what's, and i was just like what's what's going who wrote this did, 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 an idiot wrote this so Crichton's their first new recruit and people are acting like they've never seen a robot before are you a robot why is he a new recruit on why is he co- I don't oh know. it just doesn't make any it sense doesn't. it really doesn't so like we nitpick at some things in red dwarf that don't make sense but this is a whole see this is just level. we don't need to nitpick at this because the whole thing everything <laughs> about crap. this is wrong and it's not just because the americans do it because americans can do versions of british tv shows well but this is just toilet so he's yeah so he, he stumbles in with his head under his arm i mean his costume actually looks pretty good especially especially yeah, compared it's to probably he probably brought it over with him, his <laughs> luggage yeah, yeah. from but the red dwarf set i thought his face makeup looked pretty good as well yeah um, from what i could see yeah through through the uh, vhs um and uh yeah so he I just didn't understand what what was happening, and um, Rimmer and Lister recreate their first scene, um, encountering the scutters in the corridor on their way to fix the uh, chicken uh, machine. But it's not the same. It's just there's all the jokes are gone, and um, the kind of chemistry between Lister and Rimmer, which is the main thing about Red Wolf, just really isn't there. In fact, in this entire episode, Rimmer is barely used. Mm-hmm. You don't really feel. Like and because like in the in the in the British Red Dwarf in in the pilot you already feel how much of a smeghead Rimmer is and you can already see that conflict between the two. But this because Lister is so good looking, it's Craig Bierko, <laughs> he, he's like Indiana Jones. It's like it's not the same. He's not like a loser. He pr- he gets all the girls. In fact, he already has Kachansky. Yeah, yeah. So, so the main point of Red Dwarf is is Rim is Lister going home and getting Kachansky. First episode, first five minutes, he's already got Kachansky. And he's already like really good looking, and he can already outsmart everyone. It's ridiculous. Mm. Um, and so yeah, so they're um, approaching the uh, chicken soup machine, but they don't even have any interaction really about the chicken soup machine. None of that. Pass me a four B or whatever. None of that conversation happens. Um, and yeah, but thing with Rimmer, he isn't kind of like a good looking version of Rimmer. He kind of looks like the equivalent in terms of attractiveness. Because Possibly, I, I again, I, I couldn't tell. I couldn't make out anyone's face in there. <laughs> it, uh, the copy on, on on YouTube. I mean, this hasn't been released. That's why, um, for good reason. Um, but did you find we were you attracted to this rimmer like you're attracted to the no, Arnold rimmer? No, no. Well, yeah, I can I can understand why. But um, obviously, Jane leaves playing Holly. Jane leaves is a very attractive woman. So they they're trying to sexy it up for the American audience. Just a massive mistake because that's not what Red Wolf about. No. Red Wolf is about a bunch of losers traveling on on a on a falling apart spaceship. Not a spaceship spangling you with like long white corridors and malls and and stadiums and everyone's pretty and good looking. I know, I know. But I mean, the one character that's supposed to be good looking is Cat. <laughs> yeah well, okay we'll come to that we'll come to that oh my god we'll, we'll and some and some quite uh dodgy jokes as well relate okay. relation to that but uh, <laughs> i don't know if we can say that on the air well yeah we'll, we'll come to that in just a second 
Um, yeah, so I'll just I'll put a note here saying Craig Bierko is. He, I mean, he's he's in. Um, he's still acting now. He's he's, he's done he's done loads, and he's, he's in a really good show. Ah, uh, on 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 living. Where ah, uh, you what, watch living? Well, just for this one show because he plays the showrunner of a reality TV show, and it's brilliant. It's like a dating show, and he plays the showrunner. It's like a fake dating show. Okay. It's genius. It's oh, such okay. a good show. Um, and he's playing the same character. I mean, he's, he's a one-trick pony. He plays the same character in that than he did in this 20 years ago. While they're talking, Crichton interrupts them instead, instead of Todd Hunter interrupting them. Um, and he's looking for Captain Tao. And Captain Tao is the Captain Hollister's replacement. So instead of having a big fat guy called Captain Hollister, who's an American anyway, he could have used him, they've got a uh, black woman um to play the captain in this one and i thought she was pretty good i thought she was pretty good yeah. as well but uh yeah, yeah we'll, we'll we'll come to her in just a second because i've got a few things to say about her um and yeah and rimmer kind of like runs off because he's got an exam to do and Crichton and lister discuss how lister got aboard red dwarf so you don't ever really find out how lister got aboard red dwarf in the uk one well not just yet anyway but in the American one, straight away, he's like, yep, I got drunk and did this and did this. And that's why I'm on Red Dwarf. So I know this is the pilot and, it's, and maybe the American audiences want to kind of uh, have a little bit more spoon feeding before they can accept something as as a good show. But I thought really thought it was unnecessary. A bit like in the spoilers for the new Star Wars, nothing's spelt out in the new Star Wars. They, they, they give you a lot of credit. They give the audience a lot of credit. So um, they don't explain everything. Uh, which which is which is good. I don't think that's a spoiler for Star Wars, is it? No, no. Um, yeah, so um, uh, that's discussed, and it kind of, sort of, his backstory kind of follows the plot of the book Infinity Welcomes Careful Drivers because this came out after the book, obviously. So they could use the book as a as a source as well as the TV show. And uh, yeah, um, Kachansky. This is when Kachansky turns up and. I mean, one of the, the kind of issues with the original Kachansky is though I really love Claire Grogan, she's not she's not like the ultimate girl, is she? She's not like I, I've compared Red Dwarf before to um, uh, to Don Quixote, where he has like this dream girl called Dulcinea, and his quest is to kind of find this dream girl, and she's like perfect in every way, and that's kind of like Lister's quest in Red Dwarf. He's Don Quixote on this magical quest to find his Dulcinea, which is Kachansky. But she's all. But she isn't kind of like frumpy and 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 normal like Kachansky's meant to be. She's already a good-looking blonde woman. Yeah, what do you think? True. Yeah. Um. And and like it, it, we, it's already established that they're going out, and she is dumping him right there and then in front of Crichton. So she explains to him, uh, "It's not working out, Lister." Um. And I think it's for the best if. Uh, we call it a day and uh, she basically dumps him because he has commitment issues and even though he kind of tries to um, say but he'll make her his kind of main girlfriend or, or whatever the words he used she's not having it she's had enough which is which is fair enough really um, and uh, yeah this is in front of Christ and Crichton's really winding him up um, and uh, later on in the next scene Crichton visits him on, on his break uh, he says he's just arrived just to say oh. It's kind of cute, <laughs> and so we've already established uh, the Lister and Crichton relationship. Though, like, it's a, it's a ship with five thousand people on, and that, and Crichton's already kind of. I mean, we don't obviously we don't see four thousand nine hundred ninety-eight of them, but 
Crichton's already established a relationship with Lister, which I th- think is interesting. Yeah, straight away. Yeah. And what do you think of these early scenes of, of Crichton? Do you think... Because this isn't, isn't how like Crichton is in, in the, when he first no, appears in Red Dwarf. He's, no. not, he's not naive or scared. He seems quite confident. Yes. And, I mean, jumping ahead to later on where um, Crichton's questioned, and I feel yeah. like in the earlier Red Dwarf episodes, he would have just told the truth whereas here he's kind of making the conscious effort not to you're right yeah yeah they've already gone to fast forwarded to the breaking his programming type type deal um yeah so um basically we find out uh lister says it's okay he he's not too upset because he's going to get kachansky back and he shows Crichton his long-term plan a photograph um, which I assume is Fuji, right? But I don't think he says the word Fuji. Who can tell? Yeah, <laughs> it's just, just a mess of like lines and scribble. But basically, it's a photograph of a farm uh, where they're going to have like sheep and horses and a pig um, and live a, a happily ever after. Sounds nice. Which is kind of cute. If you, well, I, th- I think we might have said it in your in the first episode, but I can't remember. What would be your what's your long term goal? Um, what's in life, yeah, <laughs> yeah. What do you, what, what, what do you, do you want to like settle down somewhere or like abroad or here? Or I'd love to move to America if I could, but um, I can't get a visa. You just have it's to marry an American. I do. Um, That's the plan. Yes, yeah, so any Americans out there? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've decided I'm, I'm gonna. I don't know if you saw on Twitter. I'm gonna, probably gonna marry Daisy Ridley. Okay, that's, that's and like I get to hopefully meet her in July. Oh yes, the Star Wars, Star Wars celebration. Yeah. So um, it's not gonna be too awkward, is it? No, no. Do you think she'll her boyfriend will be? I'm not sure. If she, uh, she's probably waiting for me. I'm guessing. Yeah, I can always talk you, you up to her. Can you? Yeah, can you? Can you like have a, like a, a little earpiece in, in my ear and just tell me? what to say to her so okay. I don't mess up because I'll say the wrong thing okay I can do that okay great we'll, we'll film it it'll be good it'll be, it'll be like, a, like a proper rom-com yeah. and because I don't watch rom-coms it, it might go wrong mm-hmm. it might turn into a horror film all the best horror f- um, horror all <laughs> the best rom-coms go wrong yeah it, it actually in every rom-com film is there a scene where that happens where a guy goes to dinner and he's got an earpiece in his ear in and, quite a few and yeah. his cool friend tells him what to say I'm and then cool friend yeah, and then this cool friend like spills something, goes, Oh sh- yeah. oh Smeg. Yeah. And then I repeat, Oh Smeg and she's like, Well, what did you say? No, nothing, nothing, yeah. nothing. Oh you get the um the f- cricket scores or football scores come <laughs> yeah. through. Yeah. <laughs> wow, you've just written the best film ever, starring me and Daisy Ridley. Yeah. Wow. Pitch it to her. <laughs> I will do. Um okay, so uh, then, there's, then there's a code red that's called because uh, someone has breached the qu- quarantine procedures and Crichton asks, what kind of buffoon would do that? What kind of buffoon would breach the quarantine procedures on a spaceship? And Lister kind of admits it's him um, and he uses this f- kind of like weird newfangled yeah, device. Yeah, he's got like this gadget. Yeah, what does the gadget do? It like hides things. It's like a hologram kind of that, that hides this top bunk, makes it look like it's empty when in fact it's not empty at all. It's got a cat in it frankenstein and he shows frankenstein to crichton and he explains he got it on titan and on titan they and this is new to red dwarf on titan they eat cats Mm. so he saved it so so he's already established himself as a good looking kind of know-it-all and yeah now he's a hero saving cute cuddly animals yeah uh I'm not saying like craig charles wouldn't do that but i mean (laughs) this is piling on a bit a bit bit much isn't it very different. Very different, yeah. 
Um, and even like Craig Bierko in, in, in later in later years admitted he was miscast because he said they, they've kind of cast a, an Indiana Jones type and they should have cast a kind of loser. He's, he's kind of full of himself, isn't he? Yeah. It's like <laughs> um, but maybe it's because like it didn't work out too well. I don't think I would have wanted to see more episodes of this Red Dwarf. No, one was enough for me. Yeah. Um, so not to put you guys off from <laughs> listening any further because <laughs> this is like Christmas special. Um yeah, so uh, we have yes, it was a code red, and uh, Liska, Liska, <laughs> Liska, Lista asks Crichton to do him a favor, and he's only just met this robot. Yeah, he's trusting him with his secret. If you met a robot, if you literally met a robot five minutes ago, would you go, would you let him look after something of yours? No, an alive thing as I well. I don't think I'd trust a robot. Never trust a robot. The first robot, when I first met Daniela, the first thing she said to me was, "Jed, never trust a robot." It's true. And I said, "How did you know my name?" And she said, "Don't ask." <laughs> and I never have, <laughs> never asked her since. <laughs> but yeah, never trust a robot. Um, and you've said that every day to me ever since. Yeah, you sometimes text me. Yeah. It's weird. It's really weird, Daniela. I'm sorry for bringing it up, but um, yeah. So um, why would you trust a, a robot as well? And uh, so he does. And uh, Crichton's like, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. But um, he kind of, uh, you kind of assume he has done that. You don't actually see him hide it, but you find out about it later. Um, and then the captain calls Lister to the drive room. And on the way to the drive room, we see, see him pass uh, Rimmer. One of the few times we see uh, Rimmer in this episode because they've kind of substituted Rimmer's kind of scenes with Crichton scenes. They've cut out all of the interactions he, he, he previously had with Rimmer. They've kind of condensed it and given it to Crichton or they've just cut it out completely. Mm. It's it's very strange. Um, so yeah, you pass Crichton in the corridor and, Cri- and uh, sorry, this Rimmer in the corridor and Rimmer's on his, on his way to his exam and he's like, you're going to be kissing my ass, mate, um, because uh, he's going to pass his exams and become um, a, an officer. Um, and yeah, so uh, Lester continues to the drive room. We're in this place. It's called the. It's called something else. Um, I'll remember in a second. But he goes to the drive room and uh, he sees Captain Tao. Uh, Captain Tao. Yeah, she is a maybe a forty-ish uh, black lady, um, looking very stern and just a lot more Star Trek than um, Captain Hollister is. I find. Um, but what did what did you think of her? I liked her. I thought she was one of the better additions. She was a proper actress, it. yeah. But I do miss the kind of weird kind of again, Captain Hollister. Even though he's a captain, he's a little bit of a loser. You can you can tell he's had, he's had a hard life. I mean, in in later episodes of Red Dwarf, you see how hard his life is. He's, he's problems with his wife and stuff. But in this, it looks like she can handle anything really, except for getting the information out of Lister, which she tries to do. So she asks him. Uh, Lister, where is this cat? We've got you on video. Apparently, they uh, they tape. Um, they edited the tape out. Yeah, there's, uh, yeah. There's, uh, in your pr- in your private quarters, Holly records everything. Yeah, no um, escape. Exactly. Besides what happened between one and two a.m., which <laughs> I'm guessing was I don't know. I'm no idea. Reading the Snoring. Yeah, and um, so so Lister can't deny it any anymore. So she says to him, "Well, you've got uh, two options." Um, Oh, she says, tell me, or I can just get the information uh, from Crichton because he's programmed to obey me. And he tries to get the information from uh, Crichton. And uh, basically, he doesn't quite 
kind of know what to do because he um, is trying already in this early episode, well, the only episode, he's already trying to break his program. And so he's trying to quiz him, but he's trying to remain loyal to his one new friend he met five minutes ago on Red Dwarf. So while withholding information, he starts stuttering and smoking and there's just sparks coming out of him and she's uh, pressing him. Um, but he basically explodes. Um, and uh, yeah. And his eyes uh, explode and fly out into a cup. Yeah, which is a kind of a joke they've done similar before. Yeah, but this the entire time up till now, the audience has been so flat; it's, it's barely registered a giggle. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's it's just it seems really awkward. There's a real surreal edge to it. I don't know if it's because we watched it on YouTube, and it's a really funny version of it. But um, yeah, it just seems like the audience just don't want to be there. Just from what, from what I can hear. I mean, was there an actual audience there or was it just well, canned laughter? Because it sounds like canned laughter. No, it's an audience. Okay. It's that they always film it in front of okay. an audience. And I mean, if it was canned laughter, you'd be able to hear it better. But this is just really low kind of m- mumbles and, <laughs> and like little giggles here and there, sometimes in the wrong places. It's just it's just a real dark, depressing kind of situation. Um, and yeah, so um, the... Yes, yeah, so the eyes go into the cup, and the captain threatens criminal charges and stasis if Lister won't tell. And Lister refuses. He wants to again. He's the hero, so he remains loyal to his cat Frankenstein. And uh, yeah, so he Lister goes into stasis, and uh, and Rimmer, especially being while he's, before he goes into stasis, Rimmer is seen being carried away in a straitjacket on a stretcher um, because he went mental on his exam, like Lister predicted. Um, which again is 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 off the the British one, but this the guy who played Rimmer here. I don't. Where do they find him? He's got no charisma. No charisma. There's there's, there's no sense of conflict between the two. It, it kind of always seems that Lister gets the upper hand. I mean, in the British one, I mean Lister does get the upper hand most of the time, but at least Rimmer gives him a run for his money. In this one, Rimmer's such a kind of wet lettuce. Mm, yeah. Where do they? They f- it's like they found the guy at a bus up on the way to the studio. <laughs> Um, we should get that guy on the show <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah so he is um, yeah he's basically going to sleep but just before he does there's Kachansky she turns up and as the doors close Kachansky mouths I love you to him and Lister shouts to be let out and he's banging on the door let me out um, and then he freezes it's too late it's too late very tragic um, I've got a little bit of a... Not really, because I don't care about these characters in the slightest. Oh, I know. Have I told the story about that it was similar story with me in this when I was like 17? Don't uh, Maybe so. it was on my radio show to tell this. Right, okay, so do, have I not said this? Okay, when I was had this job going from door to door when I was like 17. Well, I was 16, actually. Sounds vaguely familiar. Okay, so I had this job going door to door um, and what I was doing, it was weird. We were getting signatures of house of homeowners so these um have i said this story yeah well to me yeah oh okay i don't know if yeah. you said it on here <laughs> oh well, we'll say it again so i was getting this of, the, of these um uh, households uh for an inspector to come around and to um basically inspect their house but we needed their signature and i think i got like eight quid for every signature which is pretty good back in the days um and i got to this one door and this like really amazing she was italian actually girl answered and she was 16 i think and i was 16 just turned 17 and her name was olivia right and i was oh are your parents home 
and uh, she said, oh no, but you can talk to me if you want. I spoke to her for ages, and like my mate, he was doing this job with me, he was like my age as well, he saw what I was doing, so he was picking up my slack, and he was going from oh, door to door. good friend. Good guy, yeah, I did the same to him a minute uh, Although before he'll as well. get the eight pound, I guess. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> so I said, but she said to me, like, um, like, if my dad turns up, you have to run, because like, he hates me speaking to boys. And I was like, okay, uh, right, okay, I'll make sure I run. But her dad didn't turn up for ages. She'd be speaking, getting on, and then I was like, oh, um, can I take you out this weekend? Um, I can't remember what it was for, maybe watch a film or something. I'm just like, yeah, yeah. But the only problem is, like, I don't trust guys. I really don't trust guys. And I'm, and I'm like, I'm, I'm completely legit. I got my friend over and I was like, can you vouch for me that I'm like, I'm not like a womanizer? And he's like, yeah, no, he's definitely not a womanizer. And I was like, thanks. <laughs> and, <laughs> and just like, right, okay, well, I'll give you my number. Um, but when you call me, um, and will you call me tonight? I was like, yeah, I'll call you. So when you call me, can you get someone else to call? Because if my, if my parents hear me speaking to a guy, then um, they'll basically not let me speak to them. So I was like, yeah, okay, I'll do that. So um, I was like, right, give me your number. And she scribbled her number on one of the certificates that I kind of give to people to, um, to, to say that an inspector can come around to their house. So I put it in my pocket and I was like, okay, I'll call you later. And I moved on and my mate's like, oh, wow, she's she's beautiful. And I was like, yeah, wow, she's amazing. In fact, like just, just drop dead, like drop dead gorgeous. So I went away and I was like really like full of myself. I was like, I'm, I'm the man here. So I went back to the uh, to our office and we finished kind of pretty late. And I was like, oh, I'll call her when I get home. So I got home and I, so I went in my pocket for the number. My, and I always put stuff in my left hand pocket, inside pocket wasn't there looked in my right inside pocket wasn't there so i emptied out everything from my coat number wasn't there then i emptied out my jeans nothing there looked inside my sleeves and my jacket inside my shirt pockets the number was gone completely gone so i missed out on an opportunity and then 10 years later yeah do you know this bit no. I oh, don't know this. <laughs> Ten years later, um, I was at my parents' house and I was going through my old stuff to throw stuff away and I found the jacket. No. Yeah. I found the jacket that I was wearing that day. And I was like, wow, I haven't worn this jacket in ages. And inside the inside pocket, there was like a hole. And inside that, there was a green bit of card that was folded into four that had kind of fallen inside the seam. Oh, and I was no. like, no way. No way. And I pulled it out and I saw a number on it. It's the Olivia at the top. And I was like, oh my God. God, this is this is amazing. Did you ring it? Yeah, of course I rang it. But then it just rang rang out. Oh. It rang out, and it was an answer machine. Olivia, if you're out there. Olivia, <laughs> you trolled me. Um, yeah, but like she made me promise that I wasn't like every other guy, and, I, and I, I, she made me promise to call her. So now, she just thinks I'm one of the one of the uh, the other guys that didn't call her. Oh, I want to reunite you with Olivia. I still got her number. If you're out there. On the next podcast, should we try and call her again? Tweet yes. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll get her number. Um, yeah, it's kind of tragic. But yeah, it's a bit like this. So like, um, Lister comes out of stasis. <laughs> Daniela's laughing at me. Um, comes out of stasis. Um, and But to him, it's like an instant. Um, and so, um, actually, this is a good point. As, as Lister's in stasis, should we go and see what... Um, uh, um, Paul Giacchetti is doing. I thought you were going to say, let's, let's open our Christmas presents. Oh, we can do that in a bit. Um, first of all, let's hear from Paul Giacchetti, um, the guy who's written uh, the Red Dwarf Encyclopedia. And it's no mean feat because he, he, especially every single thing, every even it's the smallest thing to do with Red Dwarf, he's put in his encyclopedia. Wow. So uh, let's listen to him now. Um, so yeah, um, so welcome to Smegheads, Paul. Um, how do you pronounce your surname? Uh, Giacchetti. 
Giacchetti, right? Cool. Um, and yeah, and so I, I know you from um, from the Red Dwarf Forum, which is where um, I know a lot of uh, Red Dwarf based people. And um, yeah, you've um, been talking to you today on our Christmas special because this will be um, played during our Christmas special, which is which is cool um, for a good reason um, because you um, have made a Red Dwarf encyclopedia. Yeah, and so t- tell us about um, how you decided to, to create a Red Dwarf encyclopedia and um, just tell us a little bit about it. Uh, well, the name of the book is called to- Total Immersion, the Comprehensive Unauthorized Red Dwarf Encyclopedia. Um, it's two. It's a two-book volume. They're about 340 pages each. It can, they contain basically everything you can find, every person, place, thing, object, uh, ship, weapon, reference to real life people and things um it started because uh, a friend of mine initially wanted to write a planet of the apes book uh, right. he had a planet of the apes website and was asked by a, a friend of his to uh possibly do a book out of it and he said yeah sure long story short that uh, deal went through and he came up to me and said would you like to produce this book together and I said yes. Uh, so that's how Hasline Books started. Um, after that, he did uh, another Planet of the Apes book and a couple of Back to the Future books. Uh, one awesome. Was, uh, one was a um, encyclopedia, and one was a chronology, a timeline of of the franchise. Uh, at this point, I said to myself, you know, I've seen him do it. Uh, couple of times already uh, go through the process of doing the research and collecting all the materials and watching everything over and over again to try to get every last detail and the attention to detail that he put into these books and I said to myself well what franchise if I were to do something as insane as that yeah what would I do what would be my passion that I would be able to do and not get completely sick uh, over and, uh, and the obvious answer was Red Dwarf because it, it is my all-time favorite show of all time. Um, it's one of the very few shows, movies, anything, you know, media-wise that I can watch over and over and over again and still pick up, like, little details every single time. Yes, so, same here, yeah. yeah. So I, I started the process uh, back in 2011, right before season 10 was uh, announced, so that was a little surprise. Yeah. Um, and... Um, and I just, yeah, you know, at the time, I didn't think it was going to be that big a deal because I figured, well, it's a TV show. Uh, and I knew there was a couple of novels. And that's about all I really knew about, them. you know, how much material was out there. Then I started to do the research, and then I realized there was this magazines that had comics in them, that had new material in them. Oh, wow. So you, so you um, include uh, all this magazine stuff as well? It, it, ha- it, it contains everything that's official. It's, wow, it okay. It contains uh, everything from the, the TV shows, obviously, the remastered version, the novels, the um, magazines, the websites. The official website has a lot of actual new material in it. Does it really? It's very funny. Wow. If, you ever, if you go into the, um, if you go into, uh, I think it's the Space Corps Directors Database section, uh, it's it's I mean not they don't like create new characters and stuff but yeah. they give you like background information about a lot of stuff that you see on the screen. Wow. Okay. Um, and it's very it's very funny and it's and it's all official because it's the official website. So that's <laughs> yeah. All, that's included. Uh, 
it's got the role-playing game, which not a lot of people know about. Yeah. Uh, which, again, is, is official. I mean, you know, it's it's all signed off by GMP. Uh, any books that were written uh, about the show or to kind of complement the show, things like the uh, Space Corps Survival Manual, Program Guide, the Logbook, uh, even things like Craig Charles, uh, yeah, Craig Charles's, um, uh, not Craig Charles, <laughs> um, <laughs> the uh, Dwarfer's Guide to Everything. Okay. Uh, things like that. Even things like promotional materials, uh, things you see like uh, YouTube videos that, that Crime did for the um, Geek Week intros, wow. everything like that. So, so it's incredibly comprehensive. Um, well, it sounds like it anyway. Um, it, it is. <laughs> it, is <laughs> um, it was a lot of uh, research. It was a lot of um, yeah. collecting, you know, doing, doing uh, online searches for these little tidbits. How long does it take? Um, it's even got things that, I mean, it, it, the criteria for me was if it was official, it's in. Yeah. Uh, I kind of skirted the line a couple of times. Uh, with things like the uh, Bill Bill Pearson's uh, Christmas script, which was never used, it was a it was a pitch script that he wrote to pitch an idea for an episode. For uh, it was actually a Christmas episode. It sounds awful uh, already. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting. Uh, it, it kind of took a lot of the conventions and turned it on on its head. Uh, it was never used, so technically it's not official. I threw it in just for the sake of you know. Um, can you remember what happens in the Christmas episode? Um, as it's this is the Christmas special. Can you remember any of the, the storyline? Uh, it's uh, you could find you could find uh, the script and uh, some storyboards and actually a, a sample video that he did online. Right. Uh, I, uh, offhand, I don't know, but um, I'll I'll post it on the forums and whatnot. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's basically uh, a, a fantastic voyage type of episode where crew gets shrunk to be put into, into Santa Claus what's that do they, do they get shrunk down and injected into Santa Claus no no they don't get injected into Santa Claus they right. actually get injected into Crichton <laughs> oh wow okay and, uh, and hilarity ensues and whatnot. <laughs> it, it was uh, admittedly not all that fantastic but <laughs> it was it, I, I just I thought it was fun enough just to put in there and, and you know the thing about these books is everything's labeled appropriately everything's labeled exactly where i got the material from so Good, yeah. you can disregard at your own leisure if you see something that's tagged you know with that particular thing you can say okay that obviously is not canon <laughs> you know? right so just disregard that <laughs> that's awesome and um yes. how long does it just to answer Sorry? I was just going to ask, um, how long does it, did it take you to, from start to finish, from the moment you decided to kind of create it to the moment you uh, put yeah, the final full stop? In early 2011, and I finished the first draft script in early 2014. Wow, that is a, that's a long time. That's dedication to the cause. <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah, exactly. And then it took, you know, obviously a little bit longer than I expected because right after I decided to do it, uh, season 10 was announced and then I had to wait for that to come out on Blu-ray so I can go you know research that as well yeah. so it took a little bit longer and now the new seasons there's two new series you, you must be you must be pulling your hair out but now you have to go back and there's probably loads more stuff it's going to take you another year to uh... I, I, do, I do feel very uh, you know um, conflicted about it because on the <laughs> yeah. one hand as I did about season 10 because 
is always good. Yeah. I'm, I'm of the feeling that there is no red dwarf. <laughs> and, and yes, I, I do, for the sake of all Americans, I do apologize for Red Dwarf USA, but I'm glad it was because it's just a fun little diversion. I mean, you know. I, well, the weird thing is, um, for, for this Christmas special, um, we are doing the American pilot. Um, so it, so it, so it fits in quite quite well with with you being on. As you're from uh, Long Island, right? Yeah, Long Island. Yeah, I can. You you've got a very uh, strong, um, almost stereotypical um, New York accent, which is uh, which is good. And I don't think I do. So, do you really you know, do? Everybody, everybody sounds normal to themselves, I guess. I guess, um, and yeah, um, how have you found the feedback from people who have who have read the encyclopedia? Red Dwarf fans, to be specific. Remarkably, remarkably very well received. Right. Um, you know, I mean, I, 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 the intention was I wanted to write a book that I wanted to own myself. Yeah. You know, I'm very happy to have this in my collection, you know, regardless of whether I myself wrote it or not. It's, it's a very good collection to the, I, I think it's a very good collection to, you know, because there's not a lot of Red Dwarf material out there. There's no. not a lot of books about it. Well, not for the last 20 years anyway. Right. I mean, there's uh, script books, and there's obviously the program guides, yeah. and there's a couple of making of things. Uh, there, there are, you know, there's like quiz books and, and things like that, but, you know, and all these things have, I mean, even the official website has sort of encyclopedias, you know, that come. Yeah, that, like FAQs the, and... The meat of the material, you know, the main characters and the main ships yeah. Uh, this one kind of takes a very psychotic, OCD take on it. Granular kind of look you know, at it things. Contains, yeah. It contains over five thousand entries. Right. You know, where you know, say the Wikipedia only has you know one or two thousand entries. Yeah. This one covers basically anything that was ever mentioned in the show. That, that's it's it's amazing, but also scary that you uh, went went to those lengths. But I'm glad you you did because. Um, at some point, we're going to need that information for for some reason. I'm not sure what, or maybe you'll find that the um, the makers of Red Dwarf will will kind of need some information that they can't get online, and uh, because your encyclopedia is the wealth of all knowledge, and um, I, I, would, I would like to think that's the case. Uh, uh, I, you know. <laughs> yeah, actually, I would like them to use your encyclopedia because um, some of the inconsistencies with with the narrative could be cleared up very quickly if they just had a copy of your encyclopedia at hand. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it was very interesting to write the book because I, I thought, I really did think that it was going to be a nightmare. Uh, not, not, not really something with the continuities within the show, although there were, obviously there were a lot of those, but uh, between things like the show and the novels. Yeah. Because the novel takes a lot of things and just turns it upside down and just changes things for yeah. no apparent reason. Exactly. To fit the narrative. Yeah. And the one thing I always like to bring up is the fact that they changed the captain's name of Red Dwarf yeah. from Captain Hollister to a uh, portly female captain called Captain Kirk. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> I, I can't make that fit continuity, so I just place it in there, and then in the notes of, of the entry, I say, well, obviously, this, is, this contradicts the show. Um, yeah. The encyclopedia itself is very... It's very um, scholarly written it, you know it's, it's very like um, it's, I don't want to say dry but it's written as if it's in universe as if this was an encyclopedia that you would find in the universe yeah kind of like um, the Hitchhiker's Guide so no type really great character or anything like that it's all 
like you know so and so is blah 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 it doesn't yeah. say you know but in the notes of each you know if, if there were anything that I wanted to notate about that particular entry that's where I kind of go outside the, the character you know the uh, yeah reference guide motif and say you know well this contradicts episode two of whatever and um you know so i, I can have a little bit of a free reign to kind of get a little snarky with some of the the comments i i make about the yeah you know um, um consistencies we haven't got too like long left but um can um if someone wanted to uh buy this for, for christmas or for a new year present or even a, a birthday present or any kind of present how would they go about finding uh, this encyclopedia they are on amazon they're on, on amazon.com on amazon well any of the international ones so obviously yeah. amazon uk has it uh, barnesandnoble.com I'm not sure if you guys have that over there but it's we, we, there. yeah I think it is coming over here we don't have the actual physical stores but um, we can access the website and, and order things right well it's yeah it's mostly online uh, so your best bet would probably just be Amazon great and um, once again because the, 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 there's two volumes isn't there for the encyclopedia there is two and yeah. uh, I, get, I get questions about that a lot like why is it two volumes and the answer to that is it's it's printed on demand, yeah. Uh, which basically means I give them the, the Amazon the files, and they, uh, if you order a copy, they'll print out a copy and, and ship it to you. There's not like a mass warehouse of these books printed already. So yeah, and, and because of that, they have a limit as to how big the books can be. So they're limited to like 440 pages, and rather than cut the material down to 440 pages, I put out two books of 340 pages each. Because yeah. that's a lot of material that I didn't want to get cut. So okay. uh, the good news is they're, they're priced a little bit cheaper than our usual, than our other books, yeah. to try to offset that, because I didn't want to make it look like it was a money grab. I, I, I hated the decision to have to do that, <laughs> to make it two books. But it is cool. It's, it's more things to open at Christmas and to, for, for presents and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. I, you know, I, I um, think it's a great, you know. Well, yeah, um, uh, Paul, thanks very much uh, for joining us on Smegheads and uh, um, hope all the Smegheads out there go to Amazon right now, type, typing Red Dwarf Encyclopedia. Actually, what's the, is, full, um, what's, is it called Full Immersion Red Dwarf Encyclopedia? It's Total Immersion. Total Immersion yeah, Red Dwarf Encyclopedia, yeah, Volumes 1 and Volume 2. Re- reasonably priced? I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I haven't gotten any complaints about that. So. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks very much for joining us and uh, Merry Christmas, Paul. Thank you very much. Thanks. I'll see you later. Thanks. Appreciate it. Bye. Yep. And that's it. Thanks very much, Paul. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I'll speak to you later. Thanks very much, Paul. What do you think of that, Daniela? Really interesting. Um, we should get that. Um, volumes 1 and Volume 2. I- I'll revise Volume 1 and you can revise Volume 2. Okay. And then we'll test each other. Super quiz. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll have uh, the two thumbs back at some point to do another quiz on, on both of us. Um, I think we'll be more... We'll be better next time. Um, when's Chris Hewitt coming on? I don't know. I need to ask him. Yeah. And your guest is coming back on in f- Series 5, right? Uh, I need to check. Yeah. That's, is, that, is he series, they Series 5 guest? I need to check. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. And your parents and stuff? Yeah. I think yeah. we'll get my parents on next season. Okay, well, wow, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so we are back. Should, we could do presents now. I think we should do presents. Okay, I'm um, going to have to get up, though. Okay, we're just scrambling around for present presents. time. Okay, um, I got you something that I'll know you'll 
use. I got you something to keep you busy during Christmas. Okay. Is it Daisy Ridley's phone number? No. <laughs> Is it her Skype ID? No. Okay. I got you this. It's, it? it's like in see-through bubble wrap. <gasps> it's a puzzle. <laughs> what? It's one that lights up as well. What? So you can, it's a... It's basically a light Night up. Night edition. Night edition puzzle. It's an Eiffel Tower. It's an Eiffel Tower puzzle with loads of pieces that lights up in the night. So you can actually, I think you can use the puzzle in the night. This is so cool. Thanks, Jay. <laughs> That's all right. Okay, mine looks a bit lame now. That's all right. That's an awesome present. <laughs> it's okay, all right. Okay, I got you. Okay. Right. <laughs> I got you a dinosaur activity yeah. pack with laser gun. <laughs> Thanks very much, Daniela. <laughs> it's got like a, a ray gun on it. Thank you very much. <laughs> I actually read that and use that. It's got little like <laughs> quizzes and puzzles that you can. Solve. Oh, thank you. It's got Jurassic World as well. Is is Nick in it? Um, yes, obviously. <laughs> I'll get Nick to sign it. Thank you very much, Daniela. <laughs> We've uh, yeah, and if you want to get us presents, <laughs> what you need to do is send it to us, courtesy of Post Pop. Um, in the Docklands and my address is on postpoprecords.com <laughs> thanks very much um, have you got any good presents coming up from people do you know do you know uh, if you're getting anything good I no um, I've asked for uh, dollars for my parents because I'm off to okay. Chicago oh that's so a good idea yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what are you getting for your boyfriend I've got him um, when's this coming oh yeah yeah okay, it's that's fine, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I've got him uh, a few books okay Ghostbusters Lego car. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. And um, I, got, I got him like a bath game. <laughs> <laughs> you, you two are quite um, set in your ways, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Well, I want to see on Instagram uh, that puzzle completed around the, on the, during the Christmas period. What? I haven't got enough time. <laughs> <You can. laughs> it's a new year puzzle. Okay, a new year's puzzle. Um, well, yeah. So back on to format, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so what where we left it is Lister is in stasis and he is trying to get out because Kachanski has just said to him that sh- he that she loves him. Um again, this is a little this is a lot different from Very. from the British Red Dwarf. This is painting Lister out to be not only a hero but like a tragic hero where you you can't help feeling like an affinity towards him yeah. rather than just a tragic character rather because Arlister isn't really a hero is he he's just accidentally he's the anti-hero the last man alive yeah um, so what we've got is um, him leaving and just everything's kind of in disarray and everything's kind of in the dark and dusty and Holly explains how um Basically, that everyone's dead, yeah. and th- and they just run through the the same scene um, as they do in episode one of the British one um, that everyone's dead. Uh, where's everyone? Everyone's dead, Dave. And they kind of do it, but Jane Lewis does it in such a way that sucks not only as a crew the dead, fun. but she sucks the fun and the life yeah. out of the out of the screen. Her, her impression of of Norman Lovett is is not good. Um, and yeah, it just doesn't work, and it kind of finishes too early. It doesn't doesn't drag it on for as as much as the the British one, which is where the comedy is really in the kind of fact that he's so dumb. He he asks him multiple times, and yeah. this, he asks about two times, and she's like, they're already in the drive room. Um, and the whole joke in, in the British one about him kind of like eating the the um the white dust, which is his fellow crewmates, they kind of skirt over that. He kind of just 
puts a bit in, her, in, in his mouth and she goes, oh, that's officer, blah, blah, blah. And there's no laugh from the audience whatsoever. In the British one, there's like screeches and howls of laughter. And also, I didn't, up until this moment, I was thinking the American Dave doesn't come across as someone who's dumb. So why would he be asking like, where's the crew? Like, why yeah. wouldn't he get it? Because they've, they've played him to be quite an capable person yeah well you know you know what this reminds me of you know um in um back to reality um in in series five when they go back to presumably their their old lives and the whole thing was a computer game the whole time mm. do you remember that and they see another t- another crew play Lister and Rimmer and Crichton and the crew who's more good looking than them and they see through the viewfinder this alternative version of Red Dwarf where where Lister's really good looking he always gets the girls and the theme music is like just a rock song this is exactly what Red Dwarf USA is it's the alternate back to reality universe um very very strange um yeah so they're in the drive room and uh when they are um and he's there and Again, it ju- it just seems to all happen like such weird pacing because he's like, okay, well, I'm all alone. And Holly says, well, look down um, and there's a light bee, which doesn't appear till series three in the British one. But um, for the sake of brevity, there's a light bee. He picks it up and it turns into, um, well, Holly said it's someone you like, but it ends up being Rimmer. Um, and apparently his was the only hologram disc that survived. It's very contrived. Mm doesn't really make a lot of sense um but yeah he appears and it's not one of those in the british one again it's one of those moments when you think oh no oh smeg he's like isn't isn't some trouble here because rimmer is an absolute smeghead goit in this rimmer appears and he's like yeah okay yeah fine um I think he just says thanks. I think that's all he does. There's not much animosity between them, is there? It's not. Well, it's, it's, nothing's been built up. There's been no prelude to this, whatever. It seems like this, this just acquaintances on the ship, really. Could have been anyone. Um, so um, so they're, they're discussing it. Um, and Holly does an awooga and says there's a strange non-human life form aboard the ship. And while they uh, search and they stumble across your mate Crichton... Yeah. Um, and he's there, his body's in one area of the sh- of the room and his head's all along on a shelf. Um, and what he's been doing for three million years is raiding the fire exercise. Yeah. For three million years. God. If you have three million years, Daniel, is there anything you wanted, what would you do? Puzzles. A puzzle. Do you think it'll take you that puzzle. long to do that puzzle? Yeah. I, I'm not joking. I want to see that done in, in quite soon into the new year then. How, how many pieces? Like 200 and odd pieces. You know what the Eiffel... It's not like... You know what the Eiffel Tower looks like, so... It should be relatively easy. 216. Okay, yeah. That's not too bad. That's pretty... I know a lot lot of them look exactly the same. It's it's mostly just scaffolding. (laughs) (laughs) I just popped a bubble. Um, A a stasis. um, Attention sheet. Um, Yeah, um, so... uh, Yes, so they see Crichton. And Crichton, um, he seems to be fine. Doesn't seem... Three million years. Doesn't seem to have affected him that much um yeah so um and holly interrupts them once again and says the life form has now been identified in as being in the cargo hold and Crichton confirms yeah that's where he hid the cat so i mean they're spoon feeding you along here he didn't really need to say that they could have just went 
got there and then he kind of mentioned, oh yeah, this is where I left the cat. But we're being spoon-fed the whole way. We're being American audience. Yeah, we, we're not left to guess anything. We're, we're just being told everything. Um, so we get the uh, so that we get them go into the cargo hold, and they hear some some screeching. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Holly explains when they get to the cargo hold that uh, the whole evolution process again. Is, is it, this isn't like drip fed to you across a few episodes. She goes, oh yeah, well there was this whole evolution um, of the cats, and and uh, the the first cat had four kittens, and that cat had four kittens, and so on and so on yeah, and so and on. You see this like uh, science class yeah sort of video thing animation yeah, it's yeah. a bit like did you ever watch once upon a time life no in like the 80s and early 90s there was this like french french or belgium cartoon about the human body and it was similar animation like the blood cells and stuff um and yeah so but there, there's no such thing as the cat arcs in this in this particular one um they all just died apparently there was a, there's a fight they all died except for one never explained how this cat survived um but yeah they um they hear a screeching and uh, they turn the corner and there is cat on some crates um what did you think of this uh, new cat um annoying annoying really see i thought he was all right he seemed like a like an, an all right actor mm, did you not no, think i found him annoying i mean he's not weirdly conversely he's not as good looking as our danny john and jules what do you think he is uh i mean he's capable he seems just to be whining quite a lot yeah. i don't know i thought there was a very um dodgy joke <laughs> really really dodgy I must joke miss this. what dodgy joke so Crichton says when talking about cat he evolved from cat sir just as you your distant ancestors once strung swung from trees and Arnold said ancestors his grandparents swung from trees i see what you mean now and i thought that's a bit no but he, but he was talking about a dodgy joke he's talking it? about lister yeah but it's a bit of a dodgy joke and this lister in this particular scenario is white yeah but i, I, I still i don't think it's a very appropriate joke well, we did evolve from from monkeys. I know, but I, I, I see what you're getting at. But 1992, it was probably still all right to kind of even hint at that kind of stuff. I don't know. I I, I found it a bit when I heard it. I thought, well, this is a bit inappropriate. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, yeah. Well, we 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 kind of we we see this cat, and he looks a bit older than Danny John Jules. Uh, when we first meet Danny John Jules, um, it seems a bit. Uh, older a bit more whinier doesn't he's doing the same things though he's, he's like spraying stuff to to claim his territory and uh um yeah and they kind of just just he just join he just joins the crew uh essentially um but um yeah at this point um not only does lister um explain to him that he's he's the cat god straight away he says well you're only here because of my cat frankenstein you're evolved from from that so you're only here because of me and cats aren't just yeah, yeah okay thanks it, it took a whole episode to kind of deal with that yeah. in a few episodes to deal with that in in the british red dwarf where they're trying to cram everything in such a short space of time in um mm. in the us one oh that is pilots and just a complete mess it no wonder it kind of it's complete garbage landed. yeah total trash um 
Sorry for using such strong languages on on our, on our Christmas episode. Yeah. <laughs> Should we sing a carol to make up for it? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? If the film Carol was just Christmas carols, it'd be a hundred times better. Yeah. If Rooney Mara was just singing Silent Night, I'd watch that. I'd watch that for ninety minutes. She's got good voice. Not as good uh, as us, obviously. Obviously. Well, the people have heard our theme song. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. So yeah. So um, they, be- they basically go to the back to the drive room uh, to figure out their next steps, really. And it's a little bit murky what their next steps are because um, they kind of want to... Well, Lister kind of decides, let's go back home. But Earth isn't home to any of them. Earth isn't home to Christ, and Earth isn't home to Rimmer. Earth isn't home to Cat. Earth isn't home to Holly. Um, uh, I assume. Well, Holly doesn't really have a home. Yeah, so it's it's a little bit selfish of him. I mean, it, they do that in the British one as well. But the kind of quest to go back to the Earth isn't mentioned that much in British TV shows, surprisingly. Um, yeah, so um, they, uh, but before they can kind of like come to a, a proper decision, uh, suddenly future versions of of uh, Crichton, Cat and Lister and Kachansky yeah. appear in the corner of the room and they have a very important message to to um, give to the crew cause, and they say they've come from the future and they say it's very, very important you listen to this. But just as about, just as they are about to kind of explain why they've come back from the future, um they kind of disappear because of the drain of oh, on the resources in the future apparently may, meant they only had a limited amount of time but our current crew being the smakers that they are or well at least Rimmer is um, they procrastinate too much um, essentially and uh, the uh, future selves disappear before they get a chance to warn them about something dun, dun, dun. yeah but you don't care because it's all over the place you don't care in fact <laughs> you, you, you want you want I don't know you want the ship to explode really <laughs> that'd be great um, so Lister says oh they, they said you've got to which means you've got to get them all back home um, and uh, which again is, is, is very very selfish and um, you he attempts to use the uh, the drive controls, which he, he's never driven um, a, a massive spaceship before, but he tries his best. Um, and I was just thinking, yeah, he's pressing all these buttons randomly, but why didn't he just ask Holly? Holly's a ship computer. Holly can drive yeah, the Holly ship. Know. Holly's been driving the ship for three million years. Um, but no, he, he figures out he, he's going to do it this time. Um, and it ends with the weirdest, just most non-ending ending ever. And then there's some weird montage. Yeah. Well, wait, but at the actual <laughs> ending, he just basically bangs bangs the desk and, and then they shoot off and they go, Whoa! Whoa! And then it just cuts. And then it's just that weird theme song again. And then it's just a montage of bits from the British Red Dwarf <laughs> where it's got Holly doing a diary. Um, and I do think that in like series one and two of, of, of the British Red Dwarf, it was technically a diary really um but she makes a i love lucy reference in it in 1992 i love lucy wasn't a relevant thing um i mean maybe that it was on repeat it but was it was big on repeats i think was it really yeah i think so i mean don't, I, I like i love lucy but still it is very strange terrible in fact um, in fact my all my notes just say terrible at the end of the sentences um and she also explains that lister is trying to drive starbuck and they use uh, that clip from the, the british one where starbuck hits the top of the hatch bay uh doors and uh she also explains that rimmel's trying to make a new body for himself and then it shows um the kind of polymorph exploding is it the polymorph or is it the curry monster it's, it's a monster exploding it was the video is too fuzzy to really tell and she also explains that Crichton met a girl and they use footage from uh, an upcoming episode that we're about to watch called Camille. 
Um, and but also in that scene, they show Craig Charles as Lister, like with his feet up. So it's very, very strange. It's all over the place. And then they say, and she she mentions what cat's up to, but all, the image on screen is just something exploding, which is just awful. But then I was just like, this whole thing is absolutely awful. And but then I, on the credits, I realised the theme music is by Todd Rundgren. And do you know Todd Rundgren? No. He was like this seventies. He had his own like solo career, but he also produced and and was the engineer for a lot of like big albums for like Meat Loaf and like Bonnie Tyler and all that stuff. So this guy knows his music, but he just made an absolute pile of toilet water this time around. Um, yeah, it's it's disgraceful. And that's kind of the yeah, we don't even have to do a smack as charts on this one because it would become right at the bottom. Yeah, it right it's not even the in bottom. the charts. It's minus charts. So yeah, um yeah, we're sorry that you had to um Yeah, thanks. Watch this. Thanks, Jed. Thanks for making me uh watch this. Yeah. Um, but even uh, I don't expect you to watch the the second pilot, which is only like ten minutes long and it's just another compilation thing. But it's just this whole idea of, of an American Red Dwarf is just awful. It's never, ever, ever going to work. Only maybe if they do a, a movie using the British cast, might the Americans kind of switch on to it. I don't know. I don't, I don't think there should be an American version of it unless you had a really stellar cast. Um, it's just kind of awful. And it's ruined my Christmas. To be honest, it's ruined my Christmas. It's ruined Christmas for me, Daniela. Sorry. <laughs> It's uh, had such a profound effect on you. Not it has, negative yeah. effect on you. What's your Christmas wish, Daniela? My Christmas. Besides my n- to not have ever watched this. Um, my Christmas wish is that everyone I know and love is healthy and happy. That's nice. What's your Christmas wish? Very similar. I wish um, I was uh, engaged to Daisy Ridley. Obviously. Well, that's um, that's a. Uh, 2016 goal. Isn't it's it's, it? a, it's yeah. one of it's one of my New Year's resolutions as well, and I do not want to break my New Year's resolution, Daniela, okay. at all. So let's make internet. Let's make that happen. Hashtag Jed for Daisy. <laughs> or Daisy for Jed. <laughs> Daisy for Jed. Um, well, thanks very much. I hope you guys uh, have listened. This is a little bit of a mini podcast. It's a bit shorter than usual, which some people will be thankful of. Some people <laughs> want to have the whole two hours. Yeah. But no, Hi, Mum. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do, I do get a message saying this wasn't two hours. How are we um, meant to do our stuff? But some people run to this. Well, some people jog to this wow. to our podcast as well. Running away. <laughs> you can't run away from our voices. <laughs> so um, I hope you've enjoyed this mini Christmas podcast. Um, we're back Christmas. again in the new year with series four. Boom. Uh, yeah, and do you know what? I'll put I'll put our new acapella theme song up uh, with our dulcet tones up uh, as an mp3 on on a uh, postpodcast.com slash smegheads um i'll put on twitter as well maybe put on soundcloud put on spotify i'll make it a ringtone as well yeah i want it as my ringtone yeah but imagine people waking up on christmas (laughs) day and and they hear our our voices what a a treat this it's a christmas miracle wow exactly (laughs) this is better than jesus coming back god bless us jed bless us all (laughs) we'll see you in the new year guys merry christmas merry christmas smegheads Bye. bye It's cold outside. I gotta go away. Baby, it's cold outside. This evening has been. I'm hoping that you drop so in. So very nice. I'll 
hold your hands there just like My mother will start to worry My father will be pacing the floor Listen to the fireplace roar So really I'd better scurry Beautiful, please don't hurry Or maybe just a half a drink more Some reckons on while I pour The neighbours might think Baby, it's bad out there Say what's in this drink No cabs to be had out there I wish I knew how like starlight To now. break the spell I'll take your hat, your hat. Thank you. Spell. I ought to say no, no, sir. If I'm moving closer. At least I'm gonna say that I tried. I really can't stay. Baby, don't hold out. Baby, it's cold outside. It's pretty cold outside, Daniela. It's freezing. Chilly. Bruh. What's bruh? Simply must go. Baby, it's cold outside. The answer is no. Baby, it's cold outside. The welcome has been. How's it been? So nice and warm. Look out the window at that My storm. sister will be suspicious. Have you actually got a sister? No. My brother will be there at the door. Getting a bit worried now. My maiden aunt's mind is vicious. What's the maiden aunt? Or maybe just a cigarette more Never such a blizzard before I gotta get home Oh baby you'll freeze out there So lend me your coat It's up to your knees out there You've really been grand So when you touch my hand Don't you see How can you do this thing to me It's bound to be tough tonight Think of my lifelong song At least there'll be plenty of love I really can't stand Hold out, hold out Baby, it's cold Maybe it's cold outside Reason Thanks, Megheads Can we go home now? Yes <laughs>